Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, 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 hey. What up, what up? It's your boy Reggie Watkins. You are listening to I'm Probably Right. Make sure wherever you're listening to us, wherever you get your podcast, you are rating, reviewing, subscribing, commenting, but not hate. We need that. We love that. My man Kevin Cleveland is running the boards, producing, engineering the show. What up, Kevin? Yo, Reggie. How's it going, man? Oh, man. I'm fantastic. We had a great weekend of football. Love the football, man. We had some, some good games. Oh, yeah. Some good games. I can't wait to get into these games. I'm so excited. Um, this week, we are going to talk about Lamar Jackson being Superman. We're going to talk about the Cowboys getting an actual victory. Not, not, not a moral victory. An actual victory. Sort of. We're going to talk about Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons is, is in the news. So why not talk about Ben Simmons? And we're going to get into the Muhammad Ali documentary on PBS by the great Ken Burns. But first up. Uh, Kevin, did you watch the Chiefs-Ravens game? I did, and that was a good game. And, uh, you know, everyone is on the Chiefs, but uh, the Ravens showed that they, they're a real football team. Lamar no. is a contender. Man, this is how crazy people get about Lamar. And it's it's just maddening. It's maddening having to deal with, with people and casual fans who just don't really understand football and who just – basically and generally are just haters, haters in life and just haters in, in everything that's good and, 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 and right about the world. They usually just hate that. So I'm, I'm watching this game and I missed the first quarter because I had to drive somewhere to pick up my wife. My wife was at some party, so I had to go there to, to pick her up because I'm a loving husband. I do, I do nice things for my wife, right? I went to go pick her up from this, this uh, party she was at. So I'm missing the first quarter. While this first quarter is happening, I don't know what's going on, but I'm getting text messages from people, haters, and they're saying to me, uh, you see your boy Lamar? You see Lamar? Remember when you said he was going to be the greatest quarterback of all time? Which I never said. Um, to For the record, if anybody's out here listening, I believe that Lamar Jackson could go down as the greatest quarterback ever if, he progresses to a guy who can actually throw the ball to receivers with 65 to 70% completion percentage rate, right? Because we've already seen him be able to throw the hell out of the ball in between the hash marks to the tight ends. Um, he's, he, him and Mark Andrews have a great connection, but he's never really been a guy in the, in the NFL so far that could complete passes regularly and consistently outside the hashes to the receivers. And part of that is not all his fault. He hasn't had the greatest receivers. He still doesn't have the greatest receivers. His number one receiver is Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins is not a number one receiver in the NFL. He's a number two. 
a good number two, probably, maybe, he's a great number three, good number two. His number two receiver is Marquise Hollywood Brown. He's a three. He should be three on a really good team. So Lamar is not playing with great weapons and the best receivers, such as a Patrick Mahomes has. He doesn't have a Stephon Diggs like a, uh, uh, what's the dude's name, Josh Allen has, right? He doesn't have a Devontae Adams like uh, 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 Aaron Rodgers has. He hasn't got DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett like Russell Wilson has. So when we're seeing this, right, we're watching him, we have to take that into account. But people are texting me like, oh, he's terrible. He's never going to make it. He's, do you guys understand? This is what people to understand here. Lamar Jackson in 2019 was the youngest NFL MVP ever. I mean, ever. Okay, the youngest NFL MVP ever in his second year. One of the most accurate quarterbacks for his age of all time in the NFL. And how did he win this MVP? He won the MVP by throwing for 3,000 yards and running for over 1,000 yards. Kevin, do you know who's ever done that before Lamar Jackson? Uh, It's going to be somebody very good. Um, it would be somebody very good if it had been done. It had never been done before. Wow. Did not know that. Nobody has ever threw for 3,000 yards and rushed for 1,000 yards in the same season. Never happened. Lamar Jackson did that. And all he gets is people hating saying, yo, well, he ain't Patrick Mahomes, or he ain't Josh Allen, which is blasphemy. Josh Allen ain't Lamar Jackson on his best day. And so I'm getting these texts, and he throws the two interceptions in the first quarter, I guess. And then I go and watch the replays, and the interception that was a pick six, Sammy Watkins falls down, Tyron Matthew intercepts the ball and runs it back for a touchdown. That happens. But people want to jump on Twitter and, and group chats and talk about him being not good and in the first quarter versus Patrick Mahomes, who might be the greatest quarterback we've ever seen, who plays on the team, who is the Super Bowl runner up and everybody's pick to get back to the Super Bowl this year. He had one bad quarter. And Kevin, do you know what happened after that bad quarter, the first quarter where Pat, I mean, Lamar Jackson first quarter, he went three, four, seven. Three for seven passing and had two interceptions. Do you know what he did the rest of that game? He completely turned it around and played phenomenal football. 15 for 19, a touchdown, 107 yards rushing, and two touchdowns. And we're questioning whether or not he's any good and putting it out there as if the, the, the game is over. He can never be the greatest quarterback of all time. While this man is in year four of an NFL career where he's already been the youngest MVP of all time. Think about this. They played the Kansas City Chiefs. They should have not, they shouldn't have been in this game at all, if not for Lamar Jackson. They're missing three running backs. Three, three running backs. Their starting left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, injured, out. Their offensive line, we saw them versus the Raiders two weeks ago, or a week ago. Terrible, boo-boo. 
And they almost won the game against the Raiders if Lamar Jackson hadn't had to try to do too much and fumbled the ball trying to run around and make things happen because he has no running game and his offensive line isn't good. But Lamar puts on his cape and wins this game for this team. And I don't care what you think about the quarterback position. Everybody's got their opinion on what a quarterback's supposed to be. All the quarterback is supposed to do is win. That's all we measure them in at the end of the day, right? Who won? How many how many Super Bowl uh, wins does Tom Brady have? That's what everybody goes to when they go to the GOAT conversation. We're not talking about how many yards because he doesn't have more yards than Peyton Manning or Drew Brees. He doesn't have more touchdowns than Peyton Manning or Drew Brees. We talk about the wins. So if Lamar Jackson is getting wins and finding ways for his team to win, that's just good quarterback play. I mean, that's just it's just what it is. It's phenomenal quarterback play. So why don't we give him his his due for that? Why don't we give him his flowers for that? And and we get this people want to compare him to to Josh Allen. Like, hold on. I want y'all to I want y'all to to, to to follow me here with these Josh Allen stats for just a second here, okay? I want I want you to to pay attention to what he's done the first two games of this season because Josh Allen, and this is why, and he gets this comparison because they're in the same draft class, right? They're both in the AFC last year. Josh Allen's bills beat the Ravens and they did not, uh, the Ravens didn't advance in the playoffs. And so now all of a sudden he's got this on him too. He can't, first, he can't beat Patrick Mahomes and he, he, and he did beat Josh Allen in the playoffs. Josh Allen through two games in this NFL season, is one and one. His completion percentage, 56. Yards, 449. Yards per attempt, 5.3. Three touchdowns, one interception. Bruh. I mean, are we serious? Is this and passer rating in both games, 79. Second week, 75. And I haven't heard any. I haven't heard anybody on the TVs, anybody on my Twitter, nobody, nobody be found critiquing Josh Allen's first two weeks. But Lamar Jackson throws two interceptions in the first quarter of a game versus the Super Bowl runner-ups and maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, and he's trash. He's not good. Y'all have got to stop this madness, this nonsense. That dude is Superman. And if he's not on the Baltimore Ravens, they're Awful. You put, I mean, no, now listen. I don't even think you could put Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady on that team and have them win the way they do without having Lamar Jackson. He's so dynamic. He's so amazing. And he's so different. Like, literally, Michael Vick was dope. Randall Cunningham was ill. Those dudes are not Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is better than Michael Vick. Lamar Jackson is better than Randall Cunningham. And only reason I'm saying those two, not just because these other two black quarterbacks, these are two quarterbacks who threw the ball for 3,000 yards, almost, you know, Michael Vick, I think had one year where he threw for 3,000 yards and came close to rushing for almost 1,000 yards. Lamar Jackson has done it. This dude is dynamic beyond belief. And the only reason the Ravens are are competent, able to do anything, is because that dude is on the field for them. 
Was Tom Brady the greatest of all time in year four of his NFL career? No. Was Peyton Manning? No. Was Joe Montana? No. So why are we holding Lamar Jackson to this standard of he can't be, he ain't going to be no GOAT in year four when he's done something that none of those guys had never done by year four? I want y'all to stop and say it with me. Stop hating. We'll be back after the break. Cowboys won a football game. The Cowboys won an actual football game. Not, not, not a moral victory that, that all these <laughs> loser Cowboy fans were trying to put on them because they, uh, because they came close to almost beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They won an actual game this week. Barely. And I said this last week, Kevin. I remember talking about this last week. So we're going to get a referendum on, on the Cowboys because people are – that game against Tampa Bay was fool's gold. Tampa Bay should have blew them out if not for the four turnovers they had that allowed the Cowboys to stay in the game. These same Cowboys who last week threw the ball 58 times with Dak Prescott. And I know what happened with the Cowboys. This, I, Kevin, you know, you know what happens sometimes when... What is the thing that uh, they say? Uncle Ben used to say this to Spider-Man. With, uh, what is it? With great... Power comes great responsibility, responsibility yeah. right? You say that, Uncle Ben, you say that? Yep. And also, with great money comes great expectations. And they paid Dak Prescott a whole lot of damn money, $75 million guaranteed up front to be exact. And when you pay a quarterback $75 million, you ain't paying him $75 million to hand the ball off. Even if that's the best way for you to win football games, you've been you've been punched drunk by the money and by the glitz of the quarterback position. Now you think you got to come out here and you paying this dude all this money? He's got to throw the ball all over the damn field, and that is not the way the Cowboys are going to win football games. They barely won this game, right? And questionable calls, Kevin. Very much some questionable calls. The, the the Justin Herbert at the end of the game, he's getting dragged down. Forget who had him, who was who was who was holding him. But they said that he was in the in the in grasp. The grasp. Yeah. He was in the grasp. My man is clearly still standing up, has control of his arms and his body to throw the ball away, and they call him for grounding. That's ridiculous. Yeah, there were I, two two touchdowns that were uh, uh, called back too that were. Ridiculous. Just ridiculous, man. So, Dallas so got they, lucky. They, so they, they got so lucky, right? So lucky. But you know what they did do that actually is, is what they should do? Instead of throwing the ball 58 times with Dak Prescott, acting like Dak Prescott is Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady, throwing the ball 58 times on a bum ankle and a bum shoulder, you know what they did this week? Instead of throwing it 58 times, they threw it 27 times. Why? Because you have Dak Prescott. You don't need to be throwing the ball all around the damn field. He threw it 27 times. He completed it 23. Great completion percentage. For 237 yards. Average. Good. Zero TDs, one interception. Took two sacks. They ran the ball. 31 times as opposed to 18 the week before. 
31 times for 198 yards, two touchdowns. You know what happens when you do that, Kevin? You win. You win. That's how you win. You run the ball, keep the ball from the other team who has a great quarterback in Justin Herbert, keep the ball from them, you keep possession, you tire out their defense, so even when their defense comes on, they're tired because they bit on for almost the whole damn game. That's how you coach. That's the strategy. And hell, they almost messed this up. Because did you see, Kevin, at the end when it was second and, I mean, it was like second and, and, I don't know, second and eight or something, right? And the clock is ticking down. It's a tie game, 17-17. Clock is ticking down. They have one timeout left. The Cowboys, (laughs) they ran the ball on second down, right? On second down. One timeout left. The clock ticks all the way down. They're at the they're at the forty yard line. I believe at the forty about the forty two yard line. The clock keeps ticking down. It's third down. They have to call a timeout. They waste the timeout and they're kicking the field goal on third down with four seconds left from fifty six yards with Greg Zerline, who had missed who had missed field goals the week before from twenty five and thirty yards away. But they're gonna have this guy do it from fifty six. As soon as I saw that, I said, if, if he misses this field goal, you fire this coaching staff immediately. Immediately. That is beyond bananas. And luckily, my man made the, the kick. Because they call him Greg the leg because he has a dope leg. It just ain't the most accurate. And, and he ain't the best under, under this damn, kind of damn pressure of actually being in the league kicking field goals. But I'll give it to him. They won an actual game. So much for the moral victories and all that, all that other nonsense, right? And they beat a team on the road. You got to give them that. They went there, they, they called, they got a little lucky, but it is what it is. They came out with the dub. Next week, they'll play the Eagles, who didn't look so damn hot versus my 49ers. And my 49ers didn't look so damn hot either, but, but hey, we got the dub. But for some reason, I just got I just got an inkling, Kevin. I don't know. I, I think I'm taking the Eagles next week. That's uh that's the Monday night game too. So they're gonna be rested up. They get an extra, they got the six days of rest, basically. Up seven. They they're they're gonna be rested up, nice, ready to go. I think that's a great divisional matchup. And um I I I, I like Jalen Hurts. I don't love him, but I'm interested to see. I mean, who, who you got in this game, Kevin? Uh I think the Eagles can pull it off and they will pull it off. Yeah, I think, man. And I don't want to be a Cowboy hater. I don't because I, I don't hate the Cowboy players. I just hate the fans. Same way with the Raiders. I don't hate the Raiders. I wish all them brothers well. I hate the fans. But it's gonna be interesting next week to see because if y'all lose to the Eagles, boy, heads is gonna roll in Dallas. Jerry, whew, he's already on his lap. Kevin, I mean, I don't know if you if, you, if you've seen uh, Hard Knocks. Jerry looks like a damn cadaver. <laughs> he looks like a Jerry. Jerry and Clint Eastwood look like cadavers out here. I think they mess around and lose to the Eagles. Jerry might have a damn conniption, and it might be all she wrote. So, dear Cowboys, do yourselves a favor next week versus the Eagles. Run the damn ball, win the game, keep your owner alive. <laughs> we'll be back after the break.
Kevin, I feel like this is becoming a recurring theme on our show because I've we've probably talked about him for the and we probably talked about him at least three times on this show. And uh that would be Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, the 25-year-old uh three-time All-Star, third team All-NBA, defensive player of the year runner-up this season to uh uh Rudy Gobert and rookie of the year. He has reported, well, he has told the Philadelphia 76ers that he no longer wants to play for the team and he will not report to camp. And this has been, you know, this has been an ongoing thing happening. They start camp next week. He says that he will never play uh, another game for the franchise. And his agent is Rich Paul. So, you know, a bunch of people out there hating on Rich Paul, but not really hating on Rich Paul. They hate on LeBron because LeBron and Rich Paul are best friends and they got their own agency and all this stuff um but this is this i think we talked about this a couple weeks ago and i was saying that ben simmons ruined killed all the leverage that philadelphia was ever going to have to be able to trade for him right because nobody wants a a distressed asset like he's in distress i don't want to be here anymore so now every team knows this now why would they offer anything more than a ham sandwich I mean, you want them chips? No, you can't have these chips. Take this ham sandwich. That's it. Ham sandwich, no chips for you. There's just, there's no reason I would give up anything more than the bare necessities to get this dude who already just said he doesn't want to play for you. And now he's doubled down and said, I'm not showing up at all. And Simmons has four years left on 145, he has four years left and $147 million left on this max contract that he signed. And he says, I don't care. I mean, he knows that they're going to try to find him and, you know, he's going to get fined for not showing up and not being at workouts and all this, all this other stuff, right? How did this happen? How, how do you end up, and we see this happen all the time. So, hell, Shaq wanted to get out of Orlando and he got out, right? LeBron left Cleveland. LeBron left Miami. LeBron went back to Cleveland, left Cleveland again. This happens. Charles Barkley left the Philadelphia 76ers years ago at one time because he wanted to go somewhere else where he felt like people had his best interests in mind and they loved him. Now, let's go through this. Ben Simmons did not have a great second round of the playoffs. But that's it. That is it. People don't understand and, and, and there's been topics on like on like group chats and Twitter with people, and you'll get people talking about, man, I'd rather have Donovan Mitchell over over Ben Simmons. Like, are you out of your mind? Do you understand? You Ben Simmons is a six ten point guard who also anchors your defense. You're not gonna find that kind of unicorn any old place. It doesn't have that guy is not just sitting around. Donovan Mitchell, I can find 10 guys who are six foot one who shoot a lot and can score points, but can't guard a trash can. The, 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 the league is littered with dudes like that. You're not gonna find another Ben Simmons. Well, there are a couple of other Ben Simmons. You know what their names are? Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James. You're not Anthony Davis. You're not finding unicorns like this just sitting around. So, of course, Philadelphia 
did not oh, all these people talking crazy after the bad second round against the Atlanta Hawks. They're talking about, oh, the Sixers got to get rid of Ben Simmons. Not if the Sixers are smart, they wouldn't want to get rid of Ben Simmons because they're not emotional. They understand basketball. This guy had a bad series. Hell, they wouldn't have got to the second round of the series if they did not have Ben Simmons. Because if you guys remember, Joel Embiid, you know, the guy who would have been MVP this year, if not for what? Him getting injured and being out 20 plus games during the season. But guess what happened when that guy was out 20 plus games in the season? Philadelphia 76ers were still the number one seed in the East. Now, why would that be? They were missing Joel Embiid, the guy who was supposed to be the MVP if he had been healthy. They were missing him. Why did they still make make the number one seed? Because Ben Simmons. Because they had another all-NBA dude on the squad. And that guy, in the first round of the playoffs versus the Washington Wizards, got them to the second round. Because guess who got hurt again in the first round? Joel Embiid. He was hurt. Ben Simmons comes in, plays center for hurt Embiid, has a triple-double and beasts on the Wizards. But the Wizards were the team that started his psychological downfall because they started doing the hack a bit. And that got him all out. He didn't want to shoot. And, and listen, there's, there's workout videos everywhere. This dude is in the gym hitting jumper after jumper, fading away on dudes, pulling up for threes. But for some reason, he is not putting it into his game in the NBA. It's a mental block. But you ain't throwing the baby out with the bathwater because he had one bad playoff series. Are you crazy? This is a max contract guy. And I got people texting me talking about, well, he thinks he's the greatest. I heard him saying he thinks he's the greatest player in the NBA. Yeah, I kind of would like the guy I'm giving max NBA dollars to to think that he's great. I mean, I don't know about you. I want guys who I'm paying like they're great to think they're great. Well, he ain't putting in the work. So you think a guy makes an all-NBA team, is a three-time NBA all-star, is a runner-up defensive player of the year, gets your team to the number one seed in the East, all while not putting in the work? Listen to yourselves when you say this. Listen to yourselves when you say this. You sound mad. And what it is, uh, oh, my boy Jackson made a great point about this earlier today. And he said, what it is, is LeBron was so amazing so early that now everybody is compared to him. So we're mad that Ben Simmons isn't the greatest player of all time at the age of 24. He, he's 25 now. So at 25 years old, because this dude ain't the greatest player in the world, Sports Illustrated just had him ranked 30, which I think is too low. I think he's in the, I think he's a top 20, right around the end of top 20 to 25 player in the, in the NBA. In the entire world, he is one of the 25 to 30 greatest players in the world. And that ain't good enough for people. People expect him to be greater they expect him to be LeBron. There's a reason why LeBron is LeBron. There's a reason why MJ is MJ. There's a reason why Kareem is Kareem. Magic is Magic. Bird is Bird. Because there are only one of those dudes. Everybody can't be them. But to be mad at a dude for not being them is the definition of hating.
So listen to yourselves and stop with this madness. That dude is an all-NBA player. The Sixers are in trouble without him. And I put this 100% on Doc Rivers. This is yet another team that Doc Rivers has mismanaged. Boston Celtics. And we don't even talk about this enough. Boston Celtics. They won a championship because they started the super team. They started making the trades to get a super team. Why? Because LeBron James was busting their ass. LeBron James, by himself in Cleveland, was busting the Celtics' ass. So they went and got Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and formed a super team and won. How many championships did they win? They got one championship with that cast of, of talent. One. And then they lost to the Lakers. One championship out of all that. Doc Rivers got one championship out of all that. Then he goes to uh, he goes to the Orlando Magic. No, was he at the Orlando Magic? It doesn't even matter. Orlando Magic, that was a waste. Nothing. Nothing happened. Grant Hill got hurt, and it was, it, was, it was whack. He goes to the Los Angeles Clippers, where he has Chris Paul in the prime of his career. Blake Griffin in the prime of his career. DeAndre Jordan in the prime of his career. Lob City. Never made it to an NBA Finals. Never. But but whose fault? Whose whose fault is that? Who's, who who do we blame for this? Right? Is is it Doc's fault? Who 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 gets the blame? Three dudes in the prime of their careers, three All Stars and All Pros in Blake Griffin and CP3 couldn't get them to the finals. Flamed out, had three one leads, lost them to the Warriors. He gets Kawhi and Paul George. Flame out. They lose in the second round of the playoffs. Second round of the playoffs last year in the bubble, right? With Kawhi Leonard and Paul George as your two stars. Paul George says in the interview, Doc just wasn't using this right, man. Paul George calls about and says Doc wasn't using this right. Doc leaves, goes to the Philadelphia 76ers, gets them to the number one seed in the East. They lose in the second round to the Atlanta Hawks. Doc is making the worst substitutions. Doesn't have Ben Simmons guarding Trey Young from the jump. He has Danny Green getting his ass busted against Trey Young, getting killed. And then when they lose the series, they lose this series. A reporter asks Doc Rivers, do you think Ben Simmons could be the point guard for a championship team? Doc replies, I don't know that. I don't know. Ben Simmons was lost right there. Lost him. You lost him. Y your job as the coach is to keep this ship afloat. You just lost this ship. Why, why would Ben Simmons want to come back and play for that guy? Why, I, wh the coach is supposed to have my back. Why not keep that in-house? Because that's all everybody was complaining about with Paul George. Paul George threw Doc under the bus. Well, Doc threw Ben Simmons under the bus. But we don't like Paul George and we don't like Ben Simmons, so we're not going to call Doc Rivers out for being in the wrong. And if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure players make the teams more than the coaches. I mean, I would rather have Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid on my team than I would have Doc Rivers coaching. 
Somebody got to go. It's going to be Doc first. And mark my words. Listen to me now. Believe me later on. When the Sixers trade Ben Simmons and don't get anything and get something less than Dame Lillard back in return, and when the Sixers don't make the finals this year, and now they're gone, they're, they've lost one All-NBA talent at the age of 25 because Doc Rivers threw him under the bus, Doc Rivers will be out of the door. He will not be coaching the 76ers next year. Mark my words. Unless they find a way to make a trade for Dame Lillard, then all bets are off. But if that don't happen, Doc Rivers is gone fishing. Negro Damas has spoken. Book it. We'll be back. Kevin, are you a, a, a boxing fan? Uh, boxing is a sport that I'm not terribly fond of, but... Uh... Not, not terribly fond of? <laughs> why? <laughs> the violence, but I don't know why I love football so much. Kind of exactly. doesn't make sense. <laughs> you got me on that one, Reggie. You got me. <laughs> Um, I'm probably right. You know what I mean? I just said, you know, this is you're definitely right. <laughs> um, I'm a boxing fan, not a like huge, like, I don't know all the bantam weights and the flyweights and all that stuff, but, um, I grew up in, you know, I grew up in the eighties and the nineties and I remember the super fights with Leonard Hagler, you know, Hagler, Hearns, uh, Mike Tyson, uh, Foreman, um, you know, just the great, I remember a great time in boxing when I was a kid. And even before then, there was, I mean, it was even greater, right? When boxing was a real pastime. I mean, hell, in hell, the 30s, 20s, 30s, 40s, boxing might have been the great, baseball and boxing were probably fighting for the two greatest American sports. That is true, yeah. Yeah, right? And right now, there's a flood of, of content going on right now with Muhammad Ali. Um, it's a bunch of documentaries and stuff that are coming. I just watched um, Netflix has Blood Brothers. Um, it's a documentary about the relationship between Muhammad Ali and uh, Malcolm X. Really fascinating, really good stuff, really good work, uh, really cool. But Ken Burns, maybe the greatest documentarian in history. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, his baseball, I mean, geez, I just, every, everything that guy touches is a phenomenal documentary. Um, Jackie Robinson, I mean, just Jack Johnson, he's just done so many things. Uh, but he does, he's doing Muhammad Ali and it's on PBS. And I just started watching it yesterday. And Kevin, it is so fascinating, so eye-opening. It's stuff that you never knew about Muhammad Ali. And they've got archival footage where him as a kid and seeing him as a, you know, in, in high school and elementary school and finding out about his life and listening to this dude, you kind of get the sense, and I know, you, and, the, and, the, and they talk about this in the documentary. We all love Muhammad Ali right now. You know, everybody, he's the greatest of all time, the champ. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, rumble, young man, rumble. We know all the catchphrases. We know all that stuff. But man, if I tell you, people hated this dude when he was coming up. <laughs> like, you have to set the stage for this, right? This is the 1950s when Cassius Clay, and he was Cassius Clay before he was Muhammad Ali. 1950s. We know what was going on in America in the 1950s. I mean, hell, black people had just been technically freed of slavery only 
70 years earlier, right? Around the time Cassius Clay is born, about 70 years earlier, black people were still enslaved in America. So we've got Jim Crow and we've got segregation and all that stuff happening around America in the 1950s. And this black dude comes along and is not afraid of being brash. Right? He was he was that dude who came along and didn't care about telling white people what the hell he thought of himself and how he felt about himself and how he felt about the world as a as a kid. And it's just interesting to see because you didn't you don't think about that, right? You don't think about when he was coming up, how people might have thought of him as a loudmouth. Hell, I know, I guarantee there was a great uh, population of black people who thought this dude was just a troublemaker. Dude out here talking all crazy in front of these white people, getting us in trouble, right? And white people who were like, man, somebody shut this crazy Negro up. All he does is talk and run his mouth. And he doesn't fight anybody. He doesn't fight anybody. He's nobody. He's not a champion. He'll never be a champion with that kind of mouth. He's too, he's too brash. And all he did was come out and prove everybody wrong. And it's so dope to watch his transformation as getting to the point of being able to be the champion. Like, I'm not gonna, I, I mean, if, you, if you're a historian of Muhammad Ali or you followed the career or anything, you know, you know what he did. You know, he was, he was a young dude who became an Olympic gold medalist in 1960 in Rome. And, and the dude was scared to death of flying. Scared to death of flying, goes over to Rome and wins the gold medal and comes back and um, comes back to the United States and just has his eye on becoming the greatest boxer of all time. So what he said he was going to do, he wanted to do this. Hell, he wasn't even going to graduate high school, right? They say this in the documentary. He, he hadn't gone to school. He was dyslexic. Um, he couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't, he, he had terrible grades because he was gone so much boxing and traveling, doing golden gloves and all that stuff. And his principal, the teachers didn't want to pass him, but his principal said, the only thing that Muhammad, the only thing that Cassius is ever going to have to do is know how to type and read his IRS statement. So I'm graduating him. So he graduates from high school with a diploma, with no grades, no he didn't pass any classes, but because his principal believed in him and wanted that dude to have a diploma, gave it to him and he got his diploma. They also go into his relationship with the Nation of Islam, which is, oh man, I, I, I encourage anybody who is listening to this and doesn't really know about the Nation of Islam. And I'm not a great scholar of the Nation of Islam and I'm going to delve into it more about the Nation of Islam, how it got started, why it got started, and why it was so popular for a certain section of Black people in America. Because right? it was basically pie-in-the-sky cult, really, is what Elijah Muhammad was. I mean, the guy said that he was, he was telling people he was a prophet. He was Jesus. He basically was telling people he was Jesus. I don't even believe in Jesus. But he was telling people he was Jesus. And he was here to, to save the Black man and white people, the devils. And... It was a big deal in the 50s and the 60s for this kind of movement to be coming up because a lot of white people were scared. A lot of white people were scared that this thing was going to turn into something. Hell, they're, gonna, they're calling us devils. They're saying that we're going to reap what we sow. Oh, my God. Right? They're going to come for vengeance. And so people were really afraid of this. And there was a lot of black people who clung to this because they were tired of it. At the same time, there was 
you know, the Martin Luther King, um, Southern leaders were going on and Southern leaders were all about the nonviolence movement. Even in the face of black people being shot by the cops and harassed and, and sit-ins and cigarettes being put out on them, dogs being sick on them, uh, water hoses. Martin Luther King and some of the Southern Christian leadership movement was turn the other cheek and love your neighbor. And the Nation of Islam and Malcolm X, when they came up, they're like, nah, man, we done with that. By any means necessary, we fighting. We fighting back. And that was popular and, and, and intriguing to a great uh, segment, of, especially of young black people. Older black people were more in line to go with Martin Luther King because, you know, they, we, we ain't got time to be being violent. We, we old, right? We old. Let's sing our chants and our, and our hymns and stand in these streets. And if they want to give us some hell, we can take some hell. But Malcolm in the Nation was like, no, nah, man, let's give them hell. And that spoke to a young dude like Cassius Clay. And so he was like secretly joining the Nation of Islam because he was being, oh man, I, I, I keep trying to give this away and I don't want to give it away. I want people to watch this. Um, but Muhammad Ali, just a fascinating dude and not the greatest dude of, I mean, if you if you really watch this documentary and you listen to what, what his life was about and what he was into, a lot of the stuff that he did was contradictory. And a lot of the things he did, you, you know, you guarantee he would apologize for this day and not do them. Um, but he lived his life out loud and in front of the world to see. He made mistakes for the world to see. And we also have to remember all this stuff that was going on when he's joining the Nation of Islam, when he's not going to Vietnam and refusing to fight and having his, his fallout with Malcolm X, this man is like 21, 22 years old. We forget how young these people are really going through life in the world on the public stage for us to see. And we judge them on whether or not they're doing it right or doing it wrong because we because we have uh, we we have the ability to to look at it from a bird's eye view while they're in it and he was in it and him and Malcolm were in it and living and going through the world and the changes that were happening for the world and black people and, and their their lives and their passions and their their wants and needs oh it's such a good uh documentary it's airing right now on PBS it's a four-part special it started September 19th. Um, last night was part two. I believe tonight will be part three and then tomorrow will be part four. I implore all of you, check out PBS. And you can't watch it just, you, I mean, you can watch it on PBS, but you can also stream it on your Apple TV, your Hulu, your Roku, or whatever, all that stuff um, uh, by the app, the, uh, the PBS app. So check it out. Kim Burns has done it again. Muhammad Ali, just fascinating stuff. You won't be disappointed. Check it out. And that is our show for this week. I'm Reggie Watkins. You're listening to I'm Probably Right. Rate us, review us, subscribe. Give us a comment. And don't be hating. Kevin, thank you so much for running the boards. Talk to y'all next week. Peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.